0: Good morning, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at Huntington Community Church. And as Dustin mentioned, we are a church that really desires for every person to know God, to find community, to make disciples and change the world. Okay, we've been going through the book of Hebrews and um, we are at chapter 11 today. So last week was a really, uh, it was really weighty message. It was one of the warnings. From Hebrews, Hebrews gives us several warnings. That was the fourth warning that we had seen in Hebrews 10. Uh, and I, I just really want to encourage you guys. Like last week, it, I just began to think I just began to think of that passage in a different light, because it talked about falling, and those who fall, there's a punishment who's coming. And I know there's many of us in here who struggle with just assurance how we know we're saved, and, um, and, you know, just I I keep making the same mistakes. And one of the things that God gave me this week that I just thought was a a, a great insight, Uh, and I was watching just a parent this week helping their child learn to walk. And I want you to think about that. And parents, maybe some of you are past that stage, but maybe you've seen like a mom or a dad, they'll they'll hold out their finger like this, and the child will take that finger, and you'll help them begin to walk. And then what, at one point, what do you do with them? You, you let go, right? And they begin to walk. And what's inevitably going to happen when, when they're learning to walk? You can, you can talk. It's okay. They're going to fall, right? Now, I want you to think about that. That every kid learning to walk, they always fall. Now, this analogy is going to break down, so don't overthink this, okay? But I want you to think about this. Have you ever seen a mom or dad yell at their kid, and be disappointed when they fall? You, what are they excited about? The fact that they were just taking steps, right? That they were, that they were moving forward. And, and that just gave me a, just this great comfort with, with our Heavenly Father. That I think some of you think our Heavenly Father's up there just watching us take steps. And then when we fall, he's like, you idiot! What are you doing? I, and I, I, think, I think God's going... Good job, look at you. Look how much, you, you took two steps yesterday, now you're taking four, six, now you're walking, you're running. I'm so proud of you. And I think sometimes we have just this wrong view of this angry God watching. You now remember, we're sons and daughters of God. So he doesn't, his wrath isn't upon us as sons and daughters. His wrath went upon Christ on the cross. So that wrath is removed from us as sons and daughters. Now, if you're not a son or daughter of Christ, the wrath is still on you this morning, which is what this passage was talking about last week. But if you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, the wrath is gone. You're a child, and he's just excited you're walking. And he's going, good job, keep, try again, get up. And then what do you do when your child falls? You come down and you help them, right? And you say, good job, bud. I'm proud of you, and you maybe dust them off, and then you, you try again, right? I think that's the journey we're on. It's a journey of falling down, him coming beside us, dusting us off, saying, try it again. Let's go farther this time. So that's where we were last week, and um, verse 32 of last week sets us up for chapter 11. I don't want to make sure we keep this in its context. So, in verse 32 of last week, we see this. It's on the screen. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. And so, he talks about that as a follower of Christ, you are going to have to endure. It's about persevering. I mentioned it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. There's going to be times of trouble. You're going to face trials. James reminds us of that. James chapter 1 reminds us that it's not if you face trials of various kinds, but when you face trials of various kinds. So you're going to have hard times as a follower of Christ. But it's about getting up. Keep walking. Many of you probably had a hard time this week, right? You went through a trial this week. And God is working in your trial He's helping you get up, dusting you off. He's shaping you into something more beautiful. And he wants us to, to be reminded that every time we gather together, we're one week closer to that day that's drawing near. Well, we're not going to have trouble anymore. No more trials. We're going to be in heaven with him forever. No more suffering. But we're not there yet. So until that day, we have to keep getting up, keep walking, keep putting one step in front of the other. And so as we move into chapter 11, I want you just, if you have like a Bible or maybe your digital copy, just back up one verse from chapter 11, verse 1, to to verse 39 of chapter 10. And it says this, it says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their soul. So here's this picture of, of those who have been redeemed. Don't shrink back. And the ultimate example of that is Christ. Christ faced trials. He faced the cross. But he didn't shrink back. He, he went at it. And then those who have faith. They preserve their soul. So here's this idea of perseverance. People of faith continue to, to move past. Um, suffering. They just walk through it, and they come out better on the other end. And then, so chapter 11 is this, just a chapter of just examples of those who have endured sufferings. They, they're the list of verse 32 of all these who have been enlightened, who have endured hard struggles with sufferings. So now let's move to chapter 11. And let, uh, let me just stop and pray for our time in chapter 11 this morning. Uh, Lord, as we just pause to look at such a uh, familiar passage to many of us this morning. I pray that you'd give us new eyes, new ears to hear um, from you this morning. I pray that you'd help me to communicate just this um, incredible gospel truth this morning. But I pray that you'd give us... Uh, Encouragement to know that there is coming a day where there will be no more struggles. It would help us to understand who you are a little bit better today, so that we can trust you so much more. I'm gonna pray this in Christ's name, Amen. Well, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you may feel like it's uh, it's difficult to please people. You know what I mean, like. You work so hard, and and it's just really difficult. You never know. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. You just don't know if you're ever, like, getting in. Like, you don't know if you're, like, earning trust or pleasing them. This morning, you're going to see from this passage uh, if you are able to please God or not. Uh, We clearly see here what he accepts as pleasing and what what will never please him. Uh, And so this chapter is about faith. And um, just some things about faith I, I think we need to understand as we look at verse 1 and 2. It um, says this, says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old receive their, uh, their uh, commendation. And so this is talking about from chapter 10, those who have gone through uh, hard times, suffering, here are these people who have gone through this um, difficult times. How they were able to go through that was with this faith now faith it uh basically it allows you to deal with things future you see that's so it's the assurance of things hoped for so there's this future side of faith um, and it's the things unseen so that's the the invisible uh We all have faith. I I love talking to people. Like, there's a guy that I've been um, um, just continuing to share the gospel with him for probably three or four years now. And occasionally he'll say things like, "Well, I I just I just takes a lot of faith to believe in." And I, I will just continue to challenge him. It takes a lot of faith to believe in what you believe in. And he'll kind of be taken back by that comment. What do you mean? I'm not a man of faith, uh, and I, oh, absolutely, you're a man of faith, and I'll begin to talk about how we put our faith in things all the time, like, every one of you today put your faith in these chairs that are in here, uh, I, at least to my knowledge, none of you came in and flipped it over and examined it, and I uh, looked at, see if all the screws were in the bottom, um, you didn't like, all you know, do any observations to see if other people had any problems with the chair, you just probably came in and just sat down in a chair. You put faith in that chair. You hoped that it was going to hold you, right? Everybody puts faith in something. And so he finally understood where I was going with that. And we have to understand that we all arrived to um, some kind of faith. Faith involves, from Hebrews 11... And I love this. It involves an active obedience. Um, It's an active obedience to God rather than a passive um, belief in the truths of God. Let me say that again. Faith involves an active obedience to God rather than a passive belief in the truths of God. And you're going to see that play out that faith has action to it. We see from, this, from these examples this morning that they just didn't believe in the truths of God. Like some people will say, yeah, I believe in God. But there's really no faith in that belief. That true faith has action to it. It's not just a cognitive understanding of something. There's action to your faith. And so you're going to see examples of that. So... Again, look at verse one. That faith is assurance of things hoped for. So for us, that we're we're looking forward, but we're also putting faith in uh, something from history past. So things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. So in verse three, we begin to see this list. So the author of Hebrews begins just a. Take us on a journey, on examples. He's if if he's in court, he's giving us evidence. Just here's example A, here's example B, here's example C, and he's given us so many reasons um, to be encouraged this morning about faith. So the first one that he gives, and you're going to see a pattern: by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then you're going to see him make a point here, and he's going to say. Not by faith, but then by faith, by faith, by faith. That's a phrase. You're going to see that word faith more here than anywhere else in the New Testament. And so the first example he gives us in verse 3 is with creation. He says in verse 3, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So this is a, a good example for us that, you know, you, were any of you around for creation? Absolutely not, right? Um, neither were the atheists that claim um, that evolution was, you know, this this big bang came from, um, you know, just nothing, that God wasn't behind anything, um, And this was going back to the same conversation I had with my friend earlier. um, Because he doesn't believe that God created the universe. And I just say, man, it takes faith to believe that as well. You have to believe that what, you know, your way, that's faith. And he finally at least admitted, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I agree that we're both operating by faith. Because we weren't there. We couldn't observe it. And... um, here the, the author is making this argument. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Everything that we see came from nothing. God created it with his words, it was spoken into existence. Which is incredible. Just meditate on that for a minute. That everything you see, God spoke it into existence. Now for some of you that's gonna be a hard that's gonna be hard ground to, to give you come in here maybe you're not a christian maybe your friends invited you and this was finally the sunday you're like okay i'll finally come and this happened to be the week that i'm talking about creation and um for me this is this is huge because if i'm honest this morning even as a pastor there's moments where i doubt there's moments where i doubt i, I mean you're reading the bible so I'm reading this, and, you know, I'm just spending time in the morning reading, and right now I'm reading through the Gospels. And, you know, the Gospels start with this story that this lady, who was a virgin, gets pregnant. Kind of big deal, right? Uh, and, and I'm reading that, and I'm like, really? That really happened? That this virgin lady named Mary was pregnant, and... Uh, and then this child is born, uh, and he's saving the world from, from their sins, and he's walking on water. He, he, he's doing these miracles with bread. He's turning water into wine. He's being raised from the dead. And, you know, you're reading other stories. Um, right now with, with our kids and parents, if you're just wondering what what's a good book to read with your kids, um, small children, uh, um, the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's incredible. I encourage you to pick it up. So we're reading that for our devotions, and we're we're at the um, Moses crossing the Red Sea. Like really, a, a, a sea part? Come on, that really happened. And you got incredible stories of of, of Jonah swallowed by. Uh, a large fish, and then spit out exactly where he's supposed to be going. And there's moments where I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, I, I just honestly, there's a moment where I just doubt. And what every time, whenever I doubt, where the Lord always takes me back to is right here, to creation, because no matter where you are this morning, we all got here from some way. You you can't deny that, right? We're all here for some reason. And for me, the creation account makes far more sense than coming from just there's nothing, there's no um, unmoved mover, there's no God, there's no force creating everything. That we're just nothing started nothing. And for me, that takes far more faith to believe that than to believe that there is this creator God that created everything and put it in motion. I just look at the universe and I see so many things that where you just see a designer a creator, a sustainer. And so whether it's the virgin birth, whether it's the parting of the Red Sea, all of those, those are little things. When you can create something from nothing, now you go, okay. So if he can create something from nothing, surely he can cause a virgin lady to be pregnant. Surely he can move water. I mean, he created water. He spoke water. Surely he can part it. He can tell a fish what to do. And so for me, all my little doubts I trace back to creation, and then my doubts are quickly gone. So maybe I will encourage you this week when you start to doubt, go back to creation that God spoke everything from nothing. This is the greatest miracle. It's incredible. And so the world was created from nothing, so that what is seen was not made out of things. That are visible. Verse 4. He moves from creation. To Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4. We learn about Cain and Abel. It says in verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God. A more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Through which he was commended. As righteous. God commending him. By accepting his gifts. And through his faith. Though he died, he still speaks. Uh, a tragedy. When you start to read New Testament or the, the Old Testament creation account, everything's good, good, good. The end of creation is very good. Genesis three, we see the fall of mankind. We see a promise made in Genesis three fifteen that that Eve, there's going to be your offspring is going to change the world. It's going to redeem everything that you guys messed up, and maybe Cain. Maybe Eve told Cain that he was going to be this child, and it would make sense if he's that firstborn child, that she might say, oh yeah, you're this one that God promised us. And maybe he felt entitled, thought that he was more special than what he was, that God owed him something. And so when he brought his offering to God, God did not uh, accept it, but God accepted um, Abel's offering. And so... Cain was angry, uh, and let that anger get to him, and he ended up killing his brother. Uh, such a sad, sad story, right at the beginning of creation. And um, Cain killed Abel. Um, as as we'll see in Hebrews, that that um, the blood of Abel uh, is still speaking. The blood of Christ is greater. We'll see a little later in Hebrews. But by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. Um, And so he he was the first martyr, basically. He's the first one who died for his faith. Uh, He lived a righteous life, and Cain was jealous of him. And so he he killed him. And so here's your first martyr uh, in Scripture. Then he moves a little later. Um, The next chapter of Genesis 5, we see in verse 5 here. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, um, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, this is incredible. Uh, There's two people in the Old Testament who never died. Enoch, who's the other? Elijah, right. Elijah was taken up chariots of fire. You remember that story, Um, and so Enoch here um, was just gone. Now, when you're reading Genesis five, he's just like just right there in a couple verses, and then you don't really see him again. Um, He is the father of Methuselah. Methuselah, many many of you might know that he's the oldest man ever to live. How old was he? nine hundred sixty nine years old that's right he almost lived to be a thousand years and so i i literally believe that that he lived to be 969 years and so his dad was this guy enoch and at one point um methuselah was around you know in his younger days and his dad just disappeared And this is the stuff that drives me crazy, because, like, the Bible tells us only what we need to know, not what we want to know all the time. So as I'm reading that, I'm like, so Enoch just, like, disappeared? He just, like, just went to heaven one day? Like, did he have, was there a warning? Like, did he have time to tell his family? Like, do you think like that? Like, Methuselah just, like, goes out to play one day and comes back like, Dad, Dad, Dad. Anybody seen dad? (laughs) Jacob, have you seen my dad? Nobody, just me. That's how I. Just wondering, like Methuselah. Is that why he lived to be so long? He kept looking for his dad. (laughs) But Enoch, by faith, said he, he was a righteous man. He pleased God. He walked with God. And that's a phrase you see in Genesis 5. That's a very special phrase. When you see in Genesis 5, it says that Enoch walked with God. And then in Genesis 6, the next person we see is that Noah walked with God. It means he had a special relationship with God. It was by faith that he walked. He was pleasing to God. So Abel was pleasing to God. Enoch was pleasing to God. Verse 6 and with, um and without faith it is impossible to please him forever would draw near to god must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him um, so here, such an important verse this is the key verse from chapter 11 that without faith it is impossible to please him some of you, you you wonder like am I pleasing to God? Is God pleased with me? Is he angry at me? It's by faith that you become pleasing to God. That that you stop trying to work your way to God. When you begin to work your way to God, you're you're saying, God, I am trying to be as good as you are. And and, and you're never going to be that good. God is set apart, he's holy, he's righteous. And you're going to exhaust yourself by trying to make yourself pleasing to him by your good works. You, you become pleasing to him by faith. And by faith what you're saying is, God, I know I can't please you by my good works. By my efforts, by my church attendance, by how much I put in the box in the back that is not going to make you pleasing to God. You're pleasing to God when you surrender and say, Lord Jesus, I know that you took my sin on the cross for me, that you became my substitution, that you died in the place that I should have died. That's by faith. You weren't around for that. You weren't around pre-creation when the Trinity Decided this plan of faith and redemption. You accept it by faith. And so by faith you can be pleasing to God this morning. That alone should be so comforting to you guys. That you can lay your head down at night. And know that the creator God. Who is also uh, a, a God of vengeance. As we read last week. Who when he returns, it's not going to be a pretty picture for those who don't have the blood of Christ on them. But you can lay your head down at night, tonight, and know that I am pleasing to God. Not by how much I've done for you today, God, but by faith. That I'm trusting in what you've done for me. And and that's what all these men and women in chapter 11 have done. They just trusted his word. His word. They were trusting in something they couldn't see. This promise. There is this promised child from Eve that Enoch, he didn't know about. I mean, he he never saw this promise. He didn't see Jesus. He was just trusting that there was going to be this offspring that was going to redeem mankind. He was trusting. It was by faith. Same thing in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And so Noah is an example of faith. By faith, God said, hey, Noah... I'm going to destroy the world. The world is wicked. But I'm pleased with you. I know you're a man who trusts me. So I'm going to need you to trust me on this. I'm going to do something that's never been done before. I'm going to cause a flood. I'm going to destroy everybody. I need you to re- build a really big boat. Can you do that for me? Can you trust me on this one? And Noah says, Sure, God. And, and he says, oh, oh, I'm going to send all these animals to you two by two. I mean, you talk about moments of doubt, when you read that account, you start going, okay, every animal, really God? And and for me, when I'm reading that, I begin to doubt, I start thinking too, too rational, going, this doesn't make sense, you know what the definition of miracle is? Something doesn't make sense by like natural things, and I go back to creation, and then I go okay he created everything from nothing okay if he can create everything from nothing surely he can get animals to go to a boat and Noah by faith began to build a boat and you know people mocked him, laughed at him what are you doing Noah stop wasting your days Enjoy, enjoy your day enjoy the world by faith Noah trusted God and Noah it's a The story of Noah is a beautiful picture of Christ, of the ark. For those, for Noah, the the ones who came into the ark, they were saved from suffering, from destruction. Those who are in Christ are saved from destruction. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, we talked about Noah and just, I, I just think of that moment, um, I'm glad the Bible doesn't go into great detail on this part of that story. But when the waters came, when it started raining and there's nowhere to escape except the ark. And think about the people gathering, running to the boat. You know, at some point they're going, oh yeah, the boat. Noah was riding, the, running to the boat. But by that point, it's too late. I'm glad the Bible doesn't go in great detail. Think about how, how sad that day would have been for those people. You know, banging let me in, Noah. Remember me, Noah. Let me in. Doors sealed shut. And that's a picture pointing us to this day that's drawing near when Christ returns. There's going to be multitudes of people yelling, Remember me, remember me. And Jesus says, I, I don't know you. Depart from me. But it's by faith. By faith, Noah was pleasing to God. And on that day, it'll be by faith that we are pleasing to to Jesus. And then he moves uh, a little later in Genesis to the next next narrative, major narrative. A guy named Abraham in verse 8. At this point, though, um, in Genesis, his name isn't Abraham. He's just Abram. So we're introduced to a guy named Abram in Genesis 12. And in verse 8 it says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, maybe some of you can identify with Abraham that you often, when you travel around, you don't know where you're going. You struggle with navigation. My wife is amending me here in the front. Um, Some of you, every day you go out shopping or traveling in Huntington, you're going out by faith. Lord, I'm going out. I hope I know how to get back home. Uh, I remember, and Olivia's given me permission to share this story in the past. Um, When we were first married, we were living in Charleston, in South Charleston, and uh, my wife is extremely gifted in many areas and like like the lord gave her double blessings in so many areas but like he's like okay but in order to do that i need to like take out navigation and she calls me we we just bought a house in south charleston she calls me she's she's out for those of you in charleston she's out like south ridge area and she calls me she says hey i'm i'm lost and i don't know how to get home And I go, okay, I'm from the Charleston area, so I'm like, okay, where are you? I have no idea. Like, you're going to have to give me something to work with because I don't know how to get you home from nowhere. Um, Thankfully, we were able to get her home. Um, She's safe. And uh, here, Abraham, now think about this. Abraham, God says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to do a great work in your life. I want you to move to this place um, that, uh, you you know, you don't know anyone there. Um, There's no job waiting on you there. Can you just go there and trust me? It's going to be this beautiful land. It's going to be a promised land. um, Flowing with milk and honey. A little later he makes a promise that he's going to make his name to a great nation. The nations will be blessed because of Abraham. Uh, We see that in 9 and 10. By faith he went to to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of him, of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, when you're reading Genesis 12, Abraham trusts God, and he goes to this land, and you know what's there waiting on him? A a great famine, a great famine that would make him leave there and go to Egypt for a while. Now, when you think about that, God speaks to you, and he says, I'm going to do something great with you. Can you trust me? when you go to this city, it's going to be incredible. And by faith you go. You trust him. And when you get there, a famine is waiting on you. What do you do with God's promise in that moment? See, some of you go, huh, he tricked me. That mean God. Forget you, God. And you might go to Egypt and stay in Egypt. But Abraham trusts. God, that God is not out to get him, that God is faithful, and that how he does things might be different than how we perceive them. So Abraham doesn't get angry at God, he, he understands that, well, right now you need to go, but he, com- he comes back. Um, and I just want you to think about the journey that, that you're on. See, Abraham's journey was full of highs and lows. And I think his story is a great picture of of our journey. That by faith we're trusting in God, thinking about this promised land that he's telling us that we can have and possess. But yet as we set out on that journey, what do you face? You face a lot of highs and lows. And for some of you, the lows just, you just think, Lord, you tricked me. I thought you promised me that if I start to follow you, I won't have any more hard times. God says, I never made that promise. I just promised you that this is going to be a great land. I just need you to just trust and obey. And so we're on a journey full of highs and lows. Um, Because of Abraham's faith, he received the prize and uh, your faith journey is leading you to this promised land where one day you're going to receive the prize. that You, you will be uh, in the promised land, this new heaven, new earth. But along the way, you're going to have uh, difficulties. You're going to have troubles. I'm going to invite the band to come back up this morning. We're going to continue to sing about these promises that God offers to us. Um. God's promises are true. Hebrews 11 is like looking at a coin. And on one side is about your faith. The other side of the coin is about God's faithfulness. That in some sense that it's by our faith. But on the other side of that is God's faithfulness to his promises that for those of us who have faith that we will continue to persevere through these difficult times. And so his promises are true, and he's encouraging you today to to keep getting up, like, like that father holding that child who falls. Keep getting up. Keep dusting yourself off. Keep walking, because one day you will receive the prize. You will stand before your Heavenly Father, And he's going to look at you, and he's going to to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. By faith, I am pleased with you. Thank you for trusting. But until then, we've got to keep persevering. We've got to to keep getting up. We've got to encourage one another as the day is drawing near. So that's what he's calling us to do. But one day, you will receive that great prize that you will have no more pain, no more troubles, all that will be gone, and you will be, you will receive that promised land that Abraham was waiting on. Let's pray. Lord, you are so faithful. You've never once lied to us. We thank you for your spoken word, that it is reliable, that it is trustworthy. So Father, I pray that we would put our faith in you that we would stop putting our faith in things of this world things that are fleeting that we would trust in what you've done for us if that's something that you desire today maybe you've come in here today and you've never surrendered to God you've, you've been operating on your own faith your own good works if you would like to, to know how you can have faith in God um, ask whoever invited you to come this morning or I'll be around after the service talk to me I would love to tell you how to become a follower of Christ and by faith you can be pleasing to the creator God today Lord I pray that you would encourage us help us to keep getting up help us to understand that you are a good father who is cheering us on and when we fall, you celebrate how, much, how many steps we've taken. You help us to get up and to keep walking. So Lord, I pray that if there's, if there's any just coming here today stumbling, I pray that you would help them to be encouraged, that you are a, a good father who loves them, who wants to see them keep walking. And not just walk, but eventually run. Lord, help us to run after Christ the ultimate treasure because he is greater than anything this world can offer and i pray that in christ's name amen